When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the Joan Hamburg Show. And it's hard for me to believe that today, Sunday, is an anniversary of 9-11. This is something that was so traumatic and continues to be as the years go by that we remember it in every detail. I can remember being in the newsroom and we had great big windows, almost floor to ceiling. And we saw what we thought was a stunt. And we were on 40th Street looking out that window and way downtown we could see over all the buildings. And we thought it was like a joke, but it was no joke. It was one of the world nightmares. And to this day, every anniversary, its image, its feeling is as sharp as it was when it happened. I couldn't find my daughter and her, she always got out of the subway at the World Trade Center, so you can imagine the anxiety, and of course, everyone, the city was out of control because none of us knew what happened. So this is a day that we're never going to forget. And we're going to deal with it later on. Dr. Judy Kuriansky, Dr. Judy, as she's known, a psychiatrist, psychologist who was very involved in that day offering grief counseling and ultimately had to have her own. She was so affected, and to this day. And then I'm going to introduce you today to one of my favorite actors, comedians, because we need it, Dr. Richard Kind. We've got a great Sunday show for you, and we're thinking about you as always. So stay tuned, relax. And welcome to your favorite radio station, WABC. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Joan Eats. The Jewish holidays are right around the corner. In fact, Rosh Hashanah begins sunset on Sunday, September 25th, and ends uh, nightfall Tuesday, the 27th. And Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which is a day dedicated to fasting and prayers, begins sunset October 4th, Tuesday, and ends on Wednesday, October 5th, with a break-the-fast meal. Now, we, of course, Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the holidays. And people always talk about food. It's usually, if you are lucky to have family, a family get-together. And challah, which is that egg bread that is so much a part of New York now, you can find it almost anywhere, 
for Rosh Hashanah is round by tradition. I never knew why, but we looked at Jamie Geller, a celebrity chef known as the Jewish Rachel Ray by the New York Times, to find out why they have round challah bread for Rosh Hashanah. And one theory is that on Rosh Hashanah, we are crowning God as king over us, and we make a challah bread that looks like a crown. And another theory is that round holler represents a continuous circle of life, and we need to focus on restarting and improving the new year from its start. And Rosh Hashanah holly tends to be sweet for the holiday, and whatever, it's a tradition for these holidays. And we found a company called Hala Dolly, C-H-A-L-L-A-H, capital D-O-L-L-Y, that is now taking orders for the holiday, holadolly.com. And Dolly Meckler is the media specialist. So whatever, if you've never had challah bread, it's fantastic. You can buy it on her website, holadolly.com. She's taking orders for the round challah, and they'll be shipped ahead of the holiday. And I found it in New York, too, at Birch Coffee, East 62nd Street in Manhattan. Go on the website, holadolly.com, and you can get a twin pack with one of each round holadolly flavor, plain and raisin, $18.99. And every weekend in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Connecticut, the Hamptons, and Philly, has it at Butterfield Market on 1150 Madison in New York, in Food Garden Market on Franklin Avenue in Brooklyn, and in Bed-Stuy. There's a lot. And you will find it at the Red Horse Market out in the east end of Long Island. And it's got all fabulous ingredients. So enjoy. And if you've never had it, treat yourself. Taking you behind the curtain, it's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome, everyone, to the Joan Hamburg Show. And you are all lucky because you are going to meet one of the stars of the hottest new TV show. It's the new CBS police drama called East New York. And everyone is talking about it. First of all, it was top secret. You would try to get members of the cast, people who were on the production side, they wouldn't talk about it. But word of mouth was big. And Richard, this is great. You always, Richard Kind is a fabulous actor. He does everything. He's a comedian. But as I was telling all you guys, he's very funny, but he's also one of the best actors that we have, and that's everything from TV to Broadway. Even You're nominated. only saying this because we're related. I know, but it's okay. It's true. <laughs> Everyone like in the my, family. You're <laughs> like my mom. It, well, she, she was right. I mean, <laughs> you're all the best. My son keeps saying to me, we can't all be that good. You've yeah. got to give us a break. I say, Look, you're perfect. What are we going to do? Right. Every mother has the perfect son. It's so we true. all have to be that great. You are. But I think the audience would love to know 
you you had a family business and you wanted to be an actor and i forgot you as long as i've really known you you've been performing but was this something you wanted early on i when in fifth or sixth grade i think it was fifth grade i played fagin in oliver in the class play it was a nothing play and somehow i really liked acting I don't know whether it was ego. I don't know whether or not I like being another person. I don't know what it was, but I really, really liked it. And I remember singing the song in this life. One thing counts the song from Oliver and being absolutely alone on stage and walking back and forth and just, having the audience in the palm of my hand, and they were all listening to me, that if you want to know, I can name the point when I started to want to be an actor. Now, as you well know, most kids, most Jewish kids from the suburbs are raised to not be an actor or go into athletics or be a rock star. They're born to take over the family business. I had no intention of being an actor. I had a dream, but no real intention. And then I was supposed to go to law school, and my dad's best friend, who lived uh, two houses away, we were. It was Sunday afternoon. We're watching football. There was a commercial, or maybe it was halftime, and he said, "You should. You've got to try acting for a year, because when you're forty, you will resent your life." You'll resent your wife. You'll resent your kids. Everybody who prevented you from doing what you dreamed of doing. And I'll admit, I had some talent. Uh, Not nearly the talent that I grew into, but I had some talent. I still loved it. I got work. I tried it for a year, and a year turns into two, into four. And now I'm this age. And all of a sudden, and, and I got to admit, I don't think I was, when I look back at it, I don't think I was very good. I think I had energy. I think that I have a certain charisma or a likability. You were funny. And then I just, I, I just became a better actor. You know, you do it enough, you got to become better. But do you think that you went to Northwestern, as I recall? Yes. And which is a great school for performing. But then you went off to Chicago. Yes. And I, that, I was I, I was a, a pre-law major uh, at uh, at Northwestern. I was supposed to go into law, which my dad said, if you want to come into the business, you got to go to law school, get a dual degree in law and business, because he felt that 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 he would have been a much better businessman if right. he had done that. He was a great salesman, but but he always worried about what a, a businessman he was. So he wanted me to do that, and I said I would do it. And so I was pre-law, and then my, my friend said, try acting, which really was the, the killer for my father, although my father supported me 110%. But when they say try acting, I mean, we all yeah. know we have actors in the family, and not everyone as successful as you. But you, I, when I look back, it didn't seem to take that long. Mad about you, Curb, Spin City. Well, well, okay. You got four years in New York doing off, 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 off Broadway, doing nothing, things, going on tour with a children's theater with a decent play, 
but it was, I mean, it was for adults too, but it was Daniel Boone. So I cut my chops. When I was finished those four years in New York, I went to Second City. I was four and a half years there. So all of a sudden, I'm 30, 31 years old, Mm -hmm. and I go to L.A. And I got work immediately in L.A. I I booked a series. Then I booked Carolyn. I I booked another series. Then I booked Mad About You. Then I you had an agent by this time, right? Well, yes, I have an agent. You know, everybody thinks, oh, do you have an agent? You're okay. Yeah. And an agent just, an agent doesn't open doors. An agent shows you where the door is. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got it. Right. You got to go. Everybody, you know, the, uh, um, like, you're quite a well-known figure in show business. People know Joan Hamburg. But your son got to where he is because he was good because he worked hard and he made his own opportunities. But you can't say, I, I, I can't believe that he's where he is today because of you. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Of yeah. Course. And it's not an agent. It's not an agent who got it. It's, he got he it. worked hard, showed promise, wrote, got a chance to direct, lived up to his abilities, and is now one of the most successful men in Hollywood. Yeah. Right? Hard to, and, yeah, and it hard wasn't his believe. agent that did it. What? I said it's hard to believe, but you're absolutely right. I know. It wasn't his agent. It was he who worked really hard, and thank God his talent matched up to his ambition. But I always look at at Amadeus. Salieri tried and tried, had so many. He had a modicum of success, but it was Mozart who was successful. Right. You know, Absolutely you can always say, right. oh, do you have a good agent? Do you have an agent? Agents don't do anything. They, agents show you where the door is. You got to open it. You got to stick your foot in there and say, I'm here. And you did. Uh, and it worked. It, I mean, it does work. I, you know, talent will out. Uh, but you got to have talent. I don't believe in uh, uh, um, oh, what's the word? What's the word? When, when, uh, nepotism. I don't believe in nepotism. I don't believe in going to parties and meeting people. What I believe is going and doing a play or making a short film or doing stuff on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. If you're an actor, look, anybody can become famous on TikTok. All you got to do is be prettier or have a gimmick. But if you really want to be an actor, you got to become good before you become rich and famous. If yeah. That's a really important thing. And if you become rich and famous before you're any good, you'll last maybe three or four years and you better save your money. Mm. So your first big TV break, that was just you knowing there was an audition and going for it? My agent sent me up for it and I went and I proved to be okay. And it was a show called, you'll never believe it, but there's a very funny story. It's called Unsub. And you're going to say, what? Yeah, and I used what? to call it Unsub what? Unsub. It's Unsub stood for Unknown Subject, U-N-S-U-B. <laughs> this was, you must understand me, you know, all the procedurals you see now, SVU or, or you know, Law and Order, all of those shows. Right. This was the first. This was the first procedural. It was around 1982, 1983. 
a guy named Stephen Cannell, who was who did the A Team and uh, shows like that. Uh, he produced this show. It was very violent, and it was the first procedural. And uh, whenever I see Peter Roth, who just up until this year ran Warner Brothers, he used to run Steve Cannell's company. And whenever I see him, he always holds out his arms and he goes, we were the first. And it only lasted 10 episodes uh, back in 83. But that was, so you're thinking 40 years ago, that was the first one, the first procedural. And then other shows came after. Wow. But then tell me about East New York, which is really, everyone's talking about it. Okay. Now, this is very funny. I have had a long and I, uh, I'm in the area code of distinguished career. Not uh-huh. exactly distinguished, but I'm in the area code. I've done some really great movies, and, and I've been lucky to do really good TV shows. This is, I'm um, praying, so far for me it is, a crown jewel. It is a wonderful, wonderful police drama for our times. It is not a procedural it's a drama. There's about eight major characters. It's like NYPD Blue for today. And I am playing a cop, and it's not funny. And I'm hoping that when people see the show or see coming attractions, see trailers, they don't think they're going to see it. They're, they're going to think they're funny. seeing a comedy because it's by no means a comedy. It's about a woman of color uh, who becomes the uh, captain of a precinct in the worst neighborhood in New York, which is East New York, which is in Brooklyn. And it's, uh, and everybody says, Oh, are you a good cop or a bad cop? There are no bad cops on this show. There are cops who have flaws, but they want their society. They want their community. They want to uphold the law and they're policemen. And if you ask me a great great, great percentage of policemen want to do just that in the world. But unfortunately, they're not as interesting in the newspaper. What's right. interesting is the bad cop. That's an interesting thing. Unfortunately, in our show, the cops try and do good. It's the criminals who are bad, and we concentrate on them. So, Richard, I'm talking to Richard Kind, and we're talking about the new CBS drama. In this, you're playing Stan Yanko, who yes. is a, a police captain. Did you have to hang out with the cops to get what's behind it? or I got to say, I, well, first of all, you don't have to do anything like right. that. You can use your imagination. I have not yet hung out with some cops. The woman who plays the lead happens to have a boyfriend in New Orleans who indeed is a policeman. And the other cops, because she was working, uh, she did a couple of movies uh, in New Orleans, which is where she met him. And so she did ingratiate herself into that community and learned a lot about it. So she's lucky. But when I say uh, uh, advisors, that is that's to minimize that policeman. Uh, well, one's a woman, uh, one's a former captain. Uh, of, uh, uh, of of New York police, and uh, I've talked to them quite a bit. I find out the hierarchy. I find out what the jobs are. 
And I've, I've spent hours talking to them, asking them questions about what is uh, – uh, what, what's it like to be a cop? What, what, what do you do? I hope sometime, you know, after we finish after – after the show gets off the ground, maybe I'll ingratiate myself into the community and try and get to ride some night with, uh, with some of the cops. It's not what I do on the show. That's what others do. Uh-huh. But my history – uh, on the show is that's indeed what I did. But you know, here's an interesting thing. Whenever you ask uh, a cop, what is the most realistic cop show on, on, ever on TV? You know what they say? What? Take a guess. I can't imagine because we have a lot of good cop shows. Barney Miller. No. I never, yep. ever would have guessed that. Of course not, because that's the comment. But they say, if you want to know what sort of the life of a policeman is, go to Barney Miller. Barney Miller. You, you sit around, you, you joke, and then when things happen, things happen. We are, you know, it's not always uh, cut to the apartment building where somebody's uh, got somebody hostage or this, that. It's a lot of sitting around or sitting in cars or, or keeping the beat or, you know, monitoring your neighborhood. Uh, where nothing's happening because you're there and nothing's happening. But uh, a police drama shows the bookends of those quiet times. Well, I'm talking to Richard Kind, and Richard is one of the stars of the new CBS drama called East New York. I know when you make a movie, they, you know, the part of the process is, inviting the random audiences, screening it, and trying to get the audience some um, judgment. Do they do yeah. that, like with a show like this? It doesn't get picked up unless you do that. So uh, that's it's, part it's, of it. They, 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 they have test groups, and, uh, uh, and it was tested, and CBS certainly liked the show. Then when it got good uh, uh, reaction from these test groups, then they pick it up. But you have so many shows that go through that process. Right, and don't We were very it. lucky. Now, from what I understand, we were voted the number one new show, uh, but network show, uh, uh, on, the, on the new schedule that, that's coming out. It, Joan, when I tell you, and I am very critical of a lot of the things I do, this is superior, it's superior acting, and I will tell you something. The, the, one of the producers is also a director uh, with quite the great resume that goes back to the Botsko era and uh, stuff like that. His name is Mike Robin. So a lot of times I get asked what I like to direct. After seeing the pilot, I can tell you I never want to direct because Mike was so brilliant in fashioning this show to a modern percussive, almost a rap beat, that it just moves ahead so much. It's not what I saw at all. I see the 70s and let's say Blue Bloods, which is a very good show of its very type. good. But mm-hmm. this is this moves. It has it's just it's it's uh it's quick cutting, it's of our day. And Joan, you and I were not raised in this type of of, uh, of entertainment. It just moves differently. I and can't he's wait. Just, he was brilliant. He was brilliant in the way that, that he cut it. You so know, how when you, you know when you watch a, a music a, a music video, 
you know, how, how it, it just moves forward. It's got three right. minutes to move forward and help sell the song. This is 50 minutes of moving forward and telling the story. And it just is always on the balls. That's just how it is. It's so I good. I can't wait. But Richard, tell yeah, me, is it good. up and running or it's starting soon? It will premiere October 2nd. Uh-huh. We have just finished our third episode here in town. Uh, either our third or fourth episode. And, uh, you know, it takes a couple, of, especially this show, because it's edited, you know, within an instrument because it, it, it just moves. Uh, but it, it premieres October 2nd, 9 o'clock on, uh, on Sunday nights. Wow. So, I so what, wait. You, what you'll have is you'll have Sunday afternoon football leading right. into 60 minutes, <laughs> leading into the equalizer, and then we come. So if the game goes longer, it could be 930. Well, it sounds really great. So when you get a show like this yeah. and it's you're taping it as as you go along, do you yeah. do other things too or you concentrate on this? Well, that's a very good question. That can be answered by my agent. Here's what happens is I I love doing all different types of things, as you well know. You yes. see me do, you know, I've done, I've done an opera at Lincoln Center. I do radio plays. I do live theater. I do musicals. I do dramas. I do, uh, you know, guest spots on different, all different types of shows. I happen to love that. However, when a series presents itself, I am beholden to their schedule. Whether or not I'm available on a certain day, let's say things change. Let's say you're supposed to shoot a scene outside and it's raining. You can't shoot it outside, so they take one of they switch days. I am always loyal to, to my show. job for which I have a contract for. But will I be doing other things? Absolutely. For instance, I'm doing something at the Triad Theater. I think it's. I'm going to tell you when it is. It is on the. 19th of September, I'm doing a two-person show. You know Jackie Hoffman, don't you? Yeah, of course. Jackie Hoffman and I are doing a two-person show called Kip and Sylvia. Uh, and uh, it's just a tryout. A great, great, great writer wrote on Seinfeld, wrote on Sears. A guy named Tom Leopold mm-hmm. wrote this thing. He wrote all the songs. And we're going to try it out on that Monday night at 7 o'clock and at 9 o'clock. You know, it's an hour and 10 minutes. Okay, it's a we'll large, have to it's, go. It's fun. Yeah, if you want to come see it, it's a very limited uh, ticket. Audience, but, yeah, yeah, you see that. And I do all sorts of things. I was on a show called The Other Two. I think I'm going to be doing an episode of that later, you know, early next if I can do Curb, I, I have no idea, but I love it. I know. Curb. We, loved, we loved you in Curb. Yeah, I love it. Now, I, it's all of whether Larry has written a part for me, but my producers love that show, and they told me, hey, if they wrote a part for you, we'll let you off for the two or three days, and I'll go do Curb. I just Great. love doing everything. I, know. I really and do. You're I, just, I like it. You know, it, it keeps. And if you do a TV show, it, I'm not going to say it becomes monotonous, because it certainly isn't, especially this one, but it's the same character. And the same genre, and I know what my part is. So if I can do readings of something else, you're just, happy. You know, a week longer, 
I'll, I'll do it. Of course, it's such a it's such a fun thing to tackle other things. Well, it's uh, all you know, great. Yeah, I'm a very lucky. You know what? At my age, with my resume, which is mainly comic, to get this show, an hour mm. top show, where I don't have to wait for a laugh or try and get a laugh on every That's third so line. Tough. What right. a blessing! What a blessing of so my glad. career. East I'm the luckiest York, guy in the world. Well, yes. you're also one of the most talented guys in the world, and that certainly does help. By the way, before I let you go, how's your golf? Richard happens to be a great golfer. I used to be a great golfer. Then I had three children, right. and children can ruin your golf game <laughs> because you got to spend time with them and not time on the golf course. I know. The golf so, course is but, very demanding. But I, for, for what I look like, I'm a very good golfer, and I just got new clubs. PXGs, I will, I will, this is like a plug for PXGs. They are as good as they say. PXGs really? are fantastic. Oh, my God. Just even when you're, if you're not that good a golfer, the sweet spot is just huge on their clubs, and it's, it's just great. It's, they're wonderful clubs. And I am in there, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope to be playing until, until, until you can't. Okay. Yeah, until I can't. Right. All right. Uh, Lots of love. And how are you? Are you good? I'm good. Everything's good. And we'll talk soon. And you, before you do your show with a Jackie, we'll give it a plug. So let me know. You got it. All right. Okay. And remember, okay, October second, October second, East New York. Okay, we're ready. I Thank hope. you, Richard. Don't, Cousin I love Richard you. Kind. I love, I love you, so you so much. Too. Thank you. We'll talk right. soon. I'm Joan Hamburg. Yeah. That's Richard Kind, a member of the family, but one of the great actors, comedians, and a TV show that everyone is talking about, East New York. Stay tuned. There's lots more ahead. You're listening to ABC. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I feel like I'm broken inside me. I feel that it's so hard to hear. There must be a sane way beyond this to accept this insanity's real. I want to wake up and remember that morning before it all changed but sadly it's real not a bad dream our lives have been all rearranged how will 
Dr. Judy Kuriansky, who not only do you know her as a host on the air, but she's a clinical psychologist, a certified sex therapist. She writes, she lectures. She's one of the leaders of Radio Call-In, and she really works all over the world. Everyone calls her Dr. Judy. And so tell me about you. What have you been up to? Oh, Joan, I love you. You are the best, my God. We have go back a long time being pioneers. You have been giving your audiences such great advice all these decades. So bless you, bless you, bless you. I cherish you. Yes, you, we started years ago. Years I have my ago. first time in being. What? I said years ago. In fact, I met your mother in a local little beauty parlor. <laughs> you know, in the West 40s, 100 years ago. All right. So My mother is yeah. an angel. And mm. when I started on the radio, you remember, you did too, in 1980 on no. WABC, the day the music died. And I used to go on the air from nine to midnight every night, three hours, all mm. Monday through Friday, with answering people's questions. And they were all over the place to the questions about relationships, which they still were. Then I went to WOR, you know that. And then Z100 was talking a lot to young people. We would go, music would stop. And (laughs) we'd come on the air talking about love and sex and questions. But on WABC, it was also the Yankees were on. And so when the tarp went on the field, when it was raining, Dr. Judy would come on talking about sex. So we went from baseball to sex. And my mom was so sweet. She listened every night. And when there were questions about babies pooping or things like that, I would call her in the breaks and say, Ma, what do I answer? I knew about relationships, but not about babies. Right. (laughs) And your mom was a whiz. Your mom was a whiz. And I remember that you too were, you did sports, weren't you? A baseball pitcher and you did all that stuff and you had a band. Oh, yes. I was, uh, I played football with my husband, played football and baseball at the Friars Club. I played on that team, a big sports fan. I played in a band, all girl band back then uh, with, uh, and I used to do the Fleetwood Mac songs. The Rihanna it was like the Rihanna yeah. stand in. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I mean, I used to encourage people that if they wanted a full life, they could explore a lot of different things. And then, of course, everybody, Joan, had the same questions, by the way, over and over again. And to this day, now, how many years? For 50 years later, people still have 40-some-odd years that the same questions. The biggest question from people who had a relationship, how do I keep the spark alive? It's still a problem. And from single people, where do I go to meet someone? Of course, okay, you know, now there's question. all the internet things, but it's still the major issues. Yeah. And I'm curious with 9-11, of course, do you find that people are still turning to you to help them get through it, even though they may not have actually been there? Does this kind of event leave scars forever 
it does leave scars forever. It is called an anniversary reaction, and I've written about it in professional journals and uh, on in newspapers and magazines a lot, that it's really like a, a marriage, a divorce, uh, getting a house, having a baby, uh, your first love. These are marker, we call them marker events that are transitional, that you remember where you were when it happened, and the feelings return. Uh, who, of all your listeners, they remember major events in their life. Unfortunately, as time goes on with 9-11, it recedes a little bit, uh, except when the news comes back on, and then people get that feeling again. And I once wrote an op-ed, Joan, that was about how angry I was when the mayor, Mayor Bloomberg at that time, said, get over it already. And I wrote an ABC.com you know, op-ed saying, get over it. No, some people, Joan, need to process every year. There are others, by the way, more men than women, because we know, of this, despite generalizations, women are more emotional. They like to talk more. Men like to get on with it, fix the car, fix the air conditioner, whatever. Um, but there are people who just say, enough is enough. I don't want to think about it. And then there are a lot of people who have emotions and they need to process it. It's the same with everything. Whatever mm-hmm. you know goes on, there are talkers and there are silencers. Mm-hmm. And, of course, a lot of people respond to what you call marker events in very negative ways or lose control. They and- do, and they don't sometimes know why. So when this, when this lead-up happens and they hear things on the radio, like now we're talking, or on, they watch it on TV, or somebody reminds them about it, they may have an, this is so typical, I write about it a lot, they have an argument with their spouse, or they're yelling at their children, or they can't sleep, and they're not really sure why, and it is related to these underlying feelings, and it's the same with it, with every major event when you build up even to Christmas and Hanukkah, any holiday, it's the lead up to a big event. And, you know, we still have terrorism. We still have, oh, look, today there was a major shooting. I mean, these events happen in our lives. They're not as big as the international crisis, but you know, with COVID, it brought back a flood of feelings about 9-11, about tsunamis, about superstorms in our area when we had the, the storm in New Jersey and New York and Brooklyn. I mean, people have these feelings and they need to know you're normal. It's okay if you have them, that the problems that you're having, if you're escalating in your irritability now, it could be related to this. Get it out. Talk about it. Even if you want to pretend it didn't happen, which some yeah. people do. But, you know, it comes up for me having walked the pit. We call it the pit where the planes went down and the big hole in the ground. I mean, I suffer a lot when the lead up and the group I belong to and I go to the night to the Mount Sinai program for all my problems with my nose and breathing and all these things. So even for those of us who were there right 
in the smack of it, um, it's it's a serious problem. And I talk, I but, like to be able to say to my close friends, guess what? This is a tough time for me. But let me ask you, do you find that COVID had that kind of crisis reaction to? Oh, my or God, John. was it on a different plane? Oh, Joan, this is going to last forever and ever because 9-11 was a, a horrible but an event. Bang, it happened. We, you know, had long aftermath of the recovery and, and it still goes on and on. But COVID? Oh, we're going to be living with this forever. Everybody's going to remember where they were also these whole two years, what it was like, the isolation. As a psychologist, it's not ending with people talking about it and the children's problems with going back to school and their interruption, the fact that they have they can't even talk to people because they're so busy uh, having been on a screen. They don't know how to communicate. It's just COVID babies, you know, who didn't have any interaction. As a psychologist, I know this from developmental psychology, people who had babies and the babies weren't socialized with, with talking to strangers. It's just mm. awful. And we're going to be living with this forever. So as a psychologist, I'm just always hearing about this and talking to people about every level, their relationships, that people that broke up over COVID, that really it was too intense to be together, arguing all the time. It's just been awful. And I even had it myself. And so I know what it's like from all angles. It was just awful. I nearly died. Hi. And there, of course, the mental challenges, as you point out, aren't going anywhere. They're here. They're here and they're ongoing. And we, then we had Delta. Now we have Omicron. Granted, people aren't dying as much, but they're not wearing masks as much. I went to my nephew's wedding in San Diego. People, there were two people wearing a mask. Some weddings have been super spreaders. Um, you know, it's just uh, uh, astounding. Mm. Yesterday I went to a reading of Frida. Oh, you love culture, Joan. You are the culture maven. I went to a reading of Frida, of Frida Kahlo. The musical is going to be coming hopefully oh, to Broadway. Yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, it was fantastic. They played eight songs and the story of the relationship mm. between Diego, I mean, and Frida Kahlo, two massively well-known artists, yeah. and thirty-seven million dollars they paid for one of her paintings recently. Mm. I mean, this is going to be a big hit. But the love—I mean, they had—they were toxic relationship. When he asked for her fa- for her hand in marriage to the father, he said, "But you know, she's a, she has demons," and he said, "That's great. Mm. I love that." And they married, got divorced, married again. And still, you know, they, he when she died, mm. he said she was the love of my life. I couldn't live without her. And I don't want to. <laughs> and then three years later, he died. But it was quite a love story. Uh, I mean, all of us, by the way, really, Joan, we all want to be loved like, you know, till the end of time. That, that, that statement that I love you, you are my life. Mm-hmm. 
that he, Diego, said to Frida was, oh, I got chills last night. It was so amazing. And I am actually invested so, in the piano lesson. You have to come see it. Oh, you're kidding. No. What made the you change, you know, I know. Tell me about it. What made you get involved? Hey, yeah, I know. You said this is like a whole thing you didn't know that I invest in Broadway. I did Tina and Ain't Too Proud. And good both for, of those hey, good for you. Two hits. Well, they yeah, were hits. I know. Well, the COVID theater came. has suffered. Oh, my yeah, God. Tough. Even hope. now, it's tough. I, absolutely. But there's a lot of plays coming. I mean, Piano Lesson yeah, with Samuel L. Jackson starting into in a month. So yeah, it, no, it's, it's my first. exciting. Very. We so, you know what? We this love This is it. how to get over the horrors of COVID, the 9-11, you know, anniversary, anything anybody's dealing with time, that right? is anxious in their life is get involved in something that gives you pleasure and get those endorphins, chemicals in your brain. You know, you talk about sex leads to those endorphins and running leads to the activity. So thrills lead to floods of chemicals, pleasure chemicals in your brain. Get them going. <laughs> well, Judy, I'm talking to Dr. Judy Kuriansky. I mean, Judy herself, because she is always during moments of crisis counseling people, rarely gets time to deal with her own angst, having been at so many of these horrific events. So the counselor sometimes needs a little bit of help too. And this is a time with anniversaries and reminders and endless pandemics for people to really take stock, right? Do you, what do you think, do people really need a lot of help or can they deal with it themselves? Well, uh, I'm prejudiced about it because I know how helpful it could be to talk it out to someone. And for everybody who's listening, if you have a trusted friend or partner, then indeed, that's a good time to really take advantage of sharing something very intimate with that person. People walk around with secrets, Joan. They need to get it out and with a trusted person and certainly with a, a, a professional. There are very good professionals who understand how to help people. Now, I mean, you mentioned my mom. I used to talk to my mom. Unfortunately, she's gone. She always uh, was so loving and so li good listener, not changing the topic. Mm. Now, my best friend is Russell Daisy, who co-wrote the 9-11 song that nice. I hope you'll play because we wrote this. He was in my class at Columbia uh, where I teach about intimacy. And now I teach about the United Nations. But we wrote that song, Towers of Light, and it is a healing song that is very beautiful. So he's my best friend. I talk to him. I have to be able to talk. I'm a psychologist. I have to be able to talk about my feelings. So about 9-11, there's the organization, Voices and Resilience, and we get together every year and during the year, and we talk things out. And, you know, it's, it's a relief. If you're going to, you know, some people want to take a bath. Some people want to go for a walk. Right. Uh, anything you do to get rid of your pressure, do it. 
It sounds good, and I appreciate your taking the time. It's good to talk to you. Take care of yourself, and I look forward to talking again. I love you, Joan. Thank you, Judy. And I am Joan Hamburg, and you've been listening to WABC. More ahead. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Ask Joan. Museum Day, and I know you've been asking me about it, is next Saturday, September 17th, and it's Smithsonian Magazine's popular event. It's only a one-day event in which participating museums and cultural institutions across the country provide free entry to anyone presenting a Museum Day ticket. And here's some that will interest you that you may not have even known about. Bartow Pell Mansion Museum. Did you know that one? 895 Shore Road, Pelham Bay Park, Bronx. It's the only grand 19th century country house still in existence. Pelham Bay. You can take a guided tour of the mansion and the carriage house. The furnishings are spectacular. So are the gardens. And then back in Manhattan, Poster House, 119 West 23rd Street, is the only museum in America dedicated to the art and history of the poster. And the Intrepid Sea Air and Space Museum, Pier 86, West 46th Street and 12th Avenue. This is so much fun to see. And the Asian Society Museum on 70th and Park is fabulous stuff. Many of the items unseen in the United States and the Museum of Jewish Heritage, that's another good one, a living memorial to the Holocaust, 36 Battery Place, Manhattan. So these are little tips of what you can do. And there are many others on Long Island, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Go to smithsonianmag.com slash museum day. You got it? They tickets sell out very fast. You're allowed to download one ticket per email address, and it provides general admission on Saturday, September 17th for two people. So go, don't forget, smithsonianmag.com slash museum day. Remember, one download, one ticket per email address, and it's not easy to change your selection. So... I see now we are coming up to the three o'clock news, weather, enjoy, and have a very special day. I'm Joan Hamburg. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.